can sit in a room in their basement and talk to someone as if they were right there, kind of like talking to themselves for a good 20 to 30 minutes and call it a podcast. That's me. It's Dave. Thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, we're going to talk more about the alcohol thing. Um, a lot of feedback on the feedback on this one. And I don't want to drive it into the ground. We'll probably move on to some other things eventually. But I think it's just one of those things where there are so many people who want to talk about it and are going, hey, I didn't know it was that common. So let's back up a little bit and talk about some other things here. First of all, I hope things are going well for you. I just got back from cross-country skiing. I went to Lake Minnewashta Park where they have a great um, the groomed trail for cross-country skiing, and it's such great exercise. And uh, one of the things we all need more of to brighten our moods is exercise. They, you know, I've said it for years. It's not my saying that motion equals emotion. And they say a lot of people who are not clinically depressed but feel depressed is because they lay around a lot. And when you lay around a lot, it sends a signal to your brain, hey. I'm not feeling a whole lot of energy. I'm kind of down. So then you kind of slump a little bit more into the couch, and then you feel a little bit more down. So, hey, get up, move around, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, especially during these cold, dark, short days, which, you know, hey, listen, spring is not that far away. Of course, if you live in Minnesota long enough, you know that just because the calendar says spring doesn't mean it's going to be warm outside. But the days will get longer, the ice will melt, and things will be okay. Uh, I'm going to go back in a second here and read an email that is from somebody who has listened to the podcast, and they have some really interesting insights. And I think, again, when you hear these podcasts about drinking, a lot of it says makes you say, hey, that's me. Me too, and it's made so many people write in. Let's get started this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything as we continue our series on drinking. Let's get started. It's kind of funny because that little transition gave me time to find Desiree's email. And Desiree wrote a very long and thoughtful email. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it would literally take up a good 10 minutes or so. But I appreciate that Desiree poured out her heart and soul in this email. But I'm going to read this one, uh, this part of her email. She says, you asked your guests if they think they were or are alcoholics. And I think that very word or title is what has kept me from taking responsibility for my drinking and doing something about it. If you ask me, I am an alcoholic. Oh, if I am an alcoholic, I would say no. If you ask me if I have a drinking problem, my answer would be probably. I don't think the word alcoholic is meant to be negative, but to me, it feels like it is. I'll stop right there and say absolutely. That is one of those things where you are either you know you get a little bit of a problem or you're thinking about it or you are an alcoholic. It's like you are under suspicion, but when you get convicted of carjacking, you are a carjacker. So there's my little analogy. It's like you've now been convicted of being an alcoholic. Well, we don't want to be convicted. We want to hold up our innocence. But maybe the beginning of this is to admit that there is a problem. So um, when I think of an alcoholic, she goes on to say, it's Desiree, I associate it with a person that has let alcohol get in the way of their of life and their day-to-day activities. Someone that either puts alcohol first or that alcohol negatively impacts them or their life. It impacts their work, their relationships, their health, etc. I don't think I fall into that category at all. 
I don't drink to get drunk. I don't um, uh, think my work and career are affected. It hasn't impacted my relationships in any way. In fact, it may have helped my career and relationships because it has helped me meet new people. <laughs> Here's a plus side to drinking too much. Make friends, and I'm not I'm not making fun of you, Desiree. Network, etc. By doing things like going to happy hours, parties, shows, and other social things that really do include a lot of drinking. A friend of mine and I were talking about that the other day. It's like, how come so many of our social things include drinking and eating? She goes on to say, I do think I have a problem, though, whenever I even think about quitting. Now, listen to this. I really like this part. Whenever I even think about quitting, I tell myself I can. I just don't want to today. I will tomorrow. But the truth is I want to want to quit drinking. I want to have more energy. I want to get better sleep. I want to save boatloads of money. I want to be able to hop in my car and easily drive home after a night out with friends, not have to plan ahead for a ride, and not have to bring Norman, our dog, to daycare in advance so I can spend the night somewhere. I want to pick a place to eat without mentally running through their drink menu first to make sure they have my preferred wine. I'm going to go back to an earlier part of her email, and Desiree, if you're listening, I'm playing amateur psychologist with you here, and I don't know what I'm talking about, but you said it doesn't affect your life, it doesn't affect your day-to-day activities, but then you just said it does, because you have to bring Norman to daycare in advance so you can spend the night somewhere, and that you have to pick a place to eat without mentally running through the drink menu, and you want to save money, so... I'm, I'm only making an observation, Desiree, in that you said that the alcohol is not getting in the way of your day-to-day life and your day-to-day activities. But then again, in the very next paragraph, you said that it does. Something to think about. That is not for me to judge or make an a, analysis of that one. It's just an observation. She goes on to say, so long, long story short, You could not have released your podcast at a better time. I think this is a fantastic topic to discuss, especially as we're all closing out that first month of the new year where so many resolutions have been broken. Please know that the work you do is more than just, far more than just entertaining. What you talk about on your show has an impact on someone's life every single day. Thanks for all you do. I love you like we've been BFFs my whole life because I've been listening to you since I was in third or fourth or fifth grade. So going on 25 years, maybe I've loved all your co-hosts, but Fallon is by far my favorite. She is hilarious. I think she is the only one that makes me laugh like a true belly laugh. And when that happens, it makes me belly laugh. P.S. I know you guys hate it, but I love phone rodeo. And now with Drake being on the show, I think you could refresh it and bring it back to life. Um, uh, P.S. Please feel free to use my name or call as I know you like to have people on occasionally. So that is from Desiree. And Desiree, you know what? Thank you very much. I'm going to save your email. And if we continue the series, I would like to call you because I think that you have an interesting perspective. And I loved when you said, and she actually underlines it, the truth is I want to want to quit drinking. Do you feel that same way? I want to want to quit drinking. And I've known people in my life that don't want to want to quit. They want to keep drinking because they love it. Okay, we're going to get to somebody here in a second. Her name is Jessica, and she's an actual uh, drug and alcohol abuse counselor. And I don't have her title exactly right. I'll ask her that during the interview. But 
at the end of this segment with Jessica, who's going to give us some insights, and, and, and I've already recorded it, so I know she's got three powerful insights in here, which I think will really help you if you're going, hmm, should I be thinking about drinking or, or drinking less? So let's talk to Jessica. And at the end of this, Jessica was kind enough to c- create an email, which I will give to you at the end of this interview with Jessica. So recorded just a couple of days ago. But just as relevant as the day we talked, here's Jessica on the podcast. Jessica, let me start by asking you this one. What is your profession? What is your title? What is your professional qualification so people will know what you're all about? Absolutely. So um, I am a licensed alcohol and drug counselor with the state of Minnesota. Um, so that means I, I went and I hung out at Metro State for a couple years and and uh, came out uh, came out doing some good stuff here, hopefully doing some good in the world. Were you surprised when you found out, like I was, how many people that just seem like your normal friends and neighbors and coworkers are struggling with alcohol? Because I was really surprised, like <laughs> the girl in my band was, and this uh, friend of mine, and this other person, and this my... Uh, were you surprised there are so many people when you first started in this, in this field? Um, honestly, no. Um, okay. So I, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. So it's something that I've kind of always seen. Um, there's a lot of alcohol addiction, a lot of drug addiction in, in my family history. So uh, I really wasn't surprised. Okay, interesting. Is that part of what made you decide you wanted to get into this field, Jess, was you've seen this in your family and you you know how powerful and how negatively it can affect people. Did that have anything to do with your chosen profession? Oh, absolutely. Okay. 100%. Uh, when you listen back to the previous podcasts, and and I don't think I meant to ever get into this, uh, this uh, like vein of my podcast, but it started a couple of months ago or a month ago with my friend Jess, who said, hey, for New Year's, I'm going to continue my pledge to not drink. I've been sober for a year. And then I had Jess on. He talked about how he drank and he looked forward to it. Then I had my friend Kelly on, who was what she called a, a wine mom. And then I had April on last week, and April said that she is still struggling to stop drinking. What were some of your thoughts, and, and did you listen to the podcast before, and this just happened to be something that you were into, or did you had you never listened to the podcast before? You know, I, I, I'm a mom of three kids, so um, I don't get a ton of time to myself. Um, but my wife was listening to the radio show one day and said, hey, you need to email Dave Ryan. Um, and so I went back and I listened to the the podcast and number one, really great. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> it's different. It's different from the radio, which I really love. It's a, it's a, it's a bit more um, uh, real. Yeah. Not, not, that, not that the radio isn't, but um, I appreciated that quite a bit. And so I listened to those and, and just when I was thinking about, <clears throat> about Jess and, and about Kelly and everybody, I just, I kind of got this idea of like, yeah, these are really regular people, really, really regular people. And I think that um, when, when people talk about addiction of any kind, whether it's alcohol or drugs, um, we have this idea of, you know, kind of some stumbling fool. Um, And it's, it's not like that really at all. I mean, of course there are those, those people who, who are very um, forward with it. But then there's also the people who are just at home who are getting off of work and are like, I just, I just need, I need a beer. 
I just need to unwind. It's been a rough day. Um, and so it, for me, it was just like listening to, you know, your neighbor or your sister who's like, I am going up the wall with these kids. This is, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's been nine months. I need a glass of wine. And so that's fine. You need a glass of wine. But then the, the, I think the thing that I've noticed, and I'm a total amateur on this one, I can only have my own observations, is that what starts off as a glass of wine to relax then turns into two glasses. And I will tell you something, Jess, I get emails almost every day from someone who says, I started with one glass, and then it became two, then it became four a night, and now I drink a bottle or more of wine every night for the last 10 years. And there's so many questions I want to ask you. What is the first thing you want to say to somebody who's listening in that position right now? I drink a bottle of wine or I have like, you know, six shots of vodka every night or I have two shots of vodka and I want to stop. What's the first thing that you want to let them know, if anything? You know, I think when I when I talk to people initially, um, I, I like to let people know, like, this is there's no one way to get sober. Number one. Um, but also you're you're in a a group of people that's that's really large there are a lot of people who are in long term recovery and you know it's it's a matter of finding who those people are and really utilizing them to be your support system um and and also if this is something you want to try absolutely give it a shot um if there's ever a concern, you can come back to the table a hundred times. If you, if you go back to drinking, there's never a, if you start now and you have a drink in two days, you can't start again. That's a really good tip because I think a lot of people get so disappointed in themselves. They'll quit for, you know, three weeks or six weeks or whatever. And then they have a drink and they go, oh, well, I screwed that up. I'm not going to be able to quit. Why is it so hard to quit? We know that it's, comforting and we love the sensation of a heavy glass in our hand and we love that burn is it what why is it so hard and I know there's a lot of physiological reasons is it just a multiple bunch of reasons why it's hard to quit yeah yeah I mean really when we when we think about um you know whether it's the mom who's at home who doesn't have a ton of support or the the dad or the mom I suppose whoever is working really hard um, and barely making ends meet, or it's the person who's super successful and they're trying to celebrate. There's so many reasons why it's difficult because, um, alcohol is so ingrained in not only American culture, but, but multiple cultures, like all over the world. Um, we celebrate with alcohol. We're sad with alcohol. We, we, we look to alcohol as, you know, something to compliment, a good meal. It's, it's just so when, when, um, Kelly was talking, it's, it's more uncommon for somebody to say, Oh, I'm not drinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they say, Oh, are you pregnant? Or, Oh, are you, or something happening? They assume something special is happening because it's just so secondhand. That's one of the things that I think I've struggled with and that a, a thing with food too is it is how we celebrate. You got a raise. Let's go to dinner. It's Friday. Let's go to dinner. We're going to go see a movie. Well, of course, we're going to go to have dinner. And then when we have dinner, well, of course, we're going to have drinks and there's happy hour and there's like, oh, bust open a bottle of wine or let's celebrate your promotion or whatever. So it is those two things. 
food yeah. is a different problem, and that's not a problem for a lot of people, but alcohol. Let me ask you this one, uh, Jess. How do you know when it's a problem? Because I've had people in my life, it's like, oh, it's not a problem. And I'm like, no, it really kind of is a problem because you don't know when to stop. And when you get drunk, you get violent. So it is a pro. How do you know when you have a problem? Is there even an answer to that question? You know, that can be kind of tough. Um, it, it's really hard when somebody is not introspective um, and they're not able to really put themselves outside of that situation because they look at it as, oh, I'm just having a little bit of fun. Or maybe they aren't a regular drinker. Maybe they're, a, they're you know, kind of a binger. And in those binges, they black out and they don't remember. They're like, I didn't get violent. I It wasn't as bad as you're saying. Like, it's fine. It's really hard when somebody's not willing or isn't ready to to turn that mirror around and look at themselves. How do you um, get them? And, and that's a big question. And I want to touch on that briefly because I think most of this podcast is for people who are drinking and they're listening to this podcast and they don't want their partner or their friends or their mom to know. They secretly worry about their own drinking. What about people who have a partner or a husband or a best friend, they're like, God, you just, you, 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 you drink way too much. What would you tell them? What do they, what should they hear? Well, I think that any time that, that your partner or a loved one, somebody who, who gives a shit, frankly, when somebody who gives a shit about you, it stops to say, Hey, I'm seeing a pattern here and it's not a good one, then, then maybe it's time to say, okay, well, let me just think about that. And that's really hard to do because it's always easier to tell somebody else, you should do this. This, this will make you better. It's really difficult to do that for oneself um, because then, then I have to look at all the parts that hurt um, or I need to look at the parts that I'm having fun. You know, there's, there's so many obvious reasons why why people drink but a lot of times it's I'm trying to to heal something or I'm trying to mask something bandage something that is internal and I don't know how to do that because I don't want to look at that pain that's too much for me to deal with so anytime uh, you know we have somebody who cares for us and they're saying hey Dave I see what's going on here maybe you should think about it in in my eyes, I think, okay, it's time for me to at least at least try to look at it. But that's hard. That's One, the hard part. And, and that's that's, why that's the hard really, oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I, I was just gonna say that that's that's the really hard part is is getting somebody to say it's all right that there's pain there because you there's ways to make it better. But no, I I mean who wants to sit there and, and look at their own trauma, that reality of it. It's hard. What should you do if you find yourself in this position and uh, there's, oh my gosh, there's so many questions. You, let's say, okay, you're listening to this podcast. You've listened to this series. You've thought I have a drinking problem. I don't know how to stop. And and one thing that I hear, and I know you've got to hear this too in your profession, Jess, is, well, do I really have to quit altogether? I mean, can I just cut back if I have a problem? Is that a fair question? That's a really fair question. Um, you know what happens quite a bit is somebody starts going down this road of recovery 
and you get really confident because you're like, I've made it, I've made it a month, I've made it two months, I've made it three months, I've made it a year. You know, I think I've got this under control. I think I could have a glass of wine every now and again. Um, and there are some people who can, um, and kudos to them. But when somebody looks at being a full-fledged alcoholic and we look at somebody who has, you know, legal ramifications, they've had really negative effects in their relationships. Maybe they've had, you know, issues with their work and, and things like that. People who have really, really done some damage all related to their drinking, um, you get confident and you think I can do this. And it's time and time again, it's a, it's such a slippery slope because then it's again, well, I've got control of this. So I had one, I'm feeling really good. I know I can have a second one and then I'll be done after that. And maybe you do that. But then the next time you think I've still got this, I'm going to have two. Well, then the next night you have two again. And then the next night after that, you have three it's, it's just such an easy, it's an avalanche that just starts going. I totally understand that. I stopped drinking absolutely nothing because I went to Boy Scout camp in 2016 and it was up at the Boundary Waters and, you know, you can't take booze on a Boy Scout um, trip. So I stopped for 10 days and I came home and I'm like, I'm going to keep this up. And I kept it up through Thanksgiving weekend, not a drop, not a drop. And then Thanksgiving weekend, I was with family and we all went out to a bar and I'm like, yeah, should I have a beer? And of course, the people who love you were like, well, yeah, you've earned it. You deserved it. And let me tell you, I wish I hadn't because I have not gone six months without a drink since then. And it really was getting easier at the end of six months. What about temptation? And that's another question. Let's say, you know, it's different when you have a physical temptation, and we can talk about that too, um, a physiological temptation or an urge or whatever. But what about, like, I drink too much, I want to stop, but I'm going out with my friends, I'm going to go to happy hour, we're going to go bowling tomorrow night, and everybody's going to have be What about temptation? And again, there's probably no simple answer to how to resist temptation, but what can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you're absolutely true. It's, it's, there's no, there's no easy way to like resist temptation. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, there, there are going to be people who go to AA and, you know, you, you work through the steps and you get a sponsor and, and you, you have a really great support system, but what about the person who doesn't have that? Um, that's that's when you really have to look at um this just culturally you go to the restroom and you see you see the smirnoff posters um you know and and it's 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 really difficult i suppose when i when i work with people and i'm trying to identify like who are safe people what a, what's something you could tell yourself what's you know is there is there a phrase? Is there, I mean, even a safe word? Is there something you can talk about? The, the best thing that people can do is to find an ally. Um, and I think that sometimes we have this idea of like, if I'm going to be sober, I have to have a friend who's sober because that's the only way I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, but we can still have people who are supportive of us. Um, you know, I have family members who are married, who one person is in recovery and the other person isn't. But that person 
doesn't drink when they're around the person in recovery. If that person is is tempted, the person in recovery is is tempted, then they know that they've got somebody that they can say, hey, I, I need to get out of this situation or um, can you just have a Coke with me or whatever it is, really finding somebody that you can text message or you can FaceTime or you can call and just say, I'm really struggling right now. I just want to talk through it for a few minutes until that temptation goes away because like feelings, I mean, everything is temporary. I was, that's, that's, I want to stop you right there for a minute. Cause that is an interesting thing. I'd never heard that before. That temptation that I have, I sit on the couch and I get my trigger. I'm at the end of the day. I'm on the couch. I'm watching a show with my wife. That's my trigger. I'm done for the day. It's almost bedtime. And, uh, and I, I'm tempted. I mean, so strongly tempted that it's as simple as getting up and going to the fridge, but that's temporary. If I wait five, 15 minutes, it'll, dissipate it yeah absolutely it can and and for some people who have maybe been sober a little bit longer it doesn't last quite as long or they know the exact right person to speak to because that person has um you know they can they can distract you by a, a funny conversation or whatever it, whatever it might be maybe it's even just a matter of changing the television show okay you know you're watching SVU or whatever it is. And you're like, Oh my God, every time I watch this show, I'm having a beer. Maybe I just get up and I go to the other room. Maybe I watch a different show. Maybe I talk to Susan. Maybe, maybe that's something I do. Maybe I, maybe I pick up my phone and, and I look at pictures of my kids or whatever it might be. Those temporary feelings, they are really hard to remember in those moments but if it's something that we can we can remember of this is temporary, I need to distract myself because distraction is great. That's really then powerful. I yeah, I never thought about that one because when I want a drink, and I'm going to guess a lot of other people that don't know the distraction thing, when you want a drink, you sit there and you think about it and you think about it, you think about it. You don't, you shouldn't have one. You want one. You don't want, you don't want to do it. You want one and get, damn it, I'm just going to have a drink because it's yep. just, it's the easiest decision to make and boy, does it feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. What should there, again, I don't, if there's anything you want to bring up before we, I ask my, what I think might be my final question. Um, let me ask you this one. What should anyone who's listening do? And AA is not for everyone. There are apps on your phone. There's probably state programs like yours. There's an app on the phone called Cutback Coach that I've tried to use before. And I found it annoying because it would tell you every day what to do and what not to do. And I finally deleted it from my phone. Um, yep. What what should I do? What should somebody do who's going, God, I've been listening to this podcast. I want to stop. April, what should April do? What should my other friend do? That, that What should I do? to stop you know there's always somebody who's gonna say aa when you work the program and you work through the steps all of those promises are delivered to you and that is great but it's not the only way there's there's different programs there's smart recovery it's say that it's again your phone the phone bleeped out just when you said that smart what Oh, I'm so sorry. There's there's smart recovery. Program. Smart. Okay. Okay. Smart recovery. I got it. Okay. Yep. Literally, you could Google smart S M A R T smart recovery, and it's gonna give you it's gonna give you different ways to look at your own behavior. And it's really when it comes down to it, it's it's about changing 
behaviors and it's about looking inward really and it's again that's really hard and maybe it starts off with finding a friend who you know whether they're sober or not you can call and say hey I'm struggling today um I'd love to I'd love to give somebody a hard and fast rule that says if you do this you will get sober you will live a long life of recovery all of those promises are going to be delivered to you but there's no perfect answer but there's the I think if I could give somebody my best advice would be you can always start over and that is really powerful I'd never heard that before and I'm so glad I had you on because it's like a diet well I've been on a diet for 16 days and I've lost four pounds and now I went to Arby's and I got two beef and cheddars and curly fries so I might as well just give up but it's not that way. It's not yeah. that way. You you give up. I mean, if you if you blow it, you're saying that's okay. Start over again. Start over again. Take yeah. it take it one day at a time. And and I'm not. I I've worked in lots of different programs. I've worked with with an AA based program. I've worked in a methadone clinic, which is harm reduction. Is how do we do this in the safest possible way if we have to do it? And there's all you can always start over. Um, obviously, if you have some really deep physical things that are going on with your drinking, maybe you should talk to your doctor. If you've been heavily drinking for 15 years, my recommendation to you is don't just quit cold turkey. Talk to your doctor. Because <laughs> there, there pro- can be some serious physiological effects if you yes. just quit, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. I think that's about, I want to give you a chance to speak on anything that I haven't asked you about or you didn't get a chance to bring up Um, uh, because I know what I wanted to ask you, but you might've wanted me to ask you some different questions and you might've want, you might've said, well, I got to bring this up. Jess, is there anything that you want to bring up or some last words that you want to add to the show, the podcast today? You know, I I don't think there's anything in specific that I, again, that I can say is a hard, fast rule. I think just honor any concerns you have. And that's, that can go for anything. If you're worried about how much or how little you eat or how, I mean, how much heroin you're shooting. I mean, that doesn't sound great, but if that's a concern for you, you should probably look at it. You know, if if there's people in your life that you love and you respect um, and they're saying that there might be a problem, maybe it's time to look at it. And that's, that's okay. Even when it hurts, because these are, temporary emotions and and we really we can always start over if we have a a really shitty day there is always tomorrow there's the 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 starting line is is not set in stone so if you've been sober for six months and you're super proud of it and then you get fired and you come home and you break open a bottle of vodka that the world does not come to an end you can start over again you can start over again. If wow. you if you can use your skills or if you can use that person that you know that's been super supportive of you for the last six months, use the things you know beforehand. But if you find yourself spiraling and you forget those things, you can start over tomorrow. You could start over 10 minutes after you have that drink. There's no, there's nothing that says you can't. 
What is the success rate that you see, Jessica? And I know it's probably varies depending on everything from income to age to sex to whatever. What is the success rate that people come to you? Because if they come to you, they're they're really serious about it. They're they're like, damn, I'm not going to be able to do this with an app. I'm not going to be able to do this with sheer willpower. What is the success rate that you see if you even know what that number would be? I I don't think I could tell you a number, Dave. I honestly, because things are are always shifting, and because life is, you know, as as much as we would love to make it um, predictable and easy to manage, I mean, shit happens. We there's I I I couldn't I couldn't give you a number there. I would love to say it's a hundred percent success rate. If you come and see me, Jessica Alvarez, you will be sober. Um, because I'll tell it to you like it is. However, that's, uh, unfortunately not, not the case. Totally. But, uh, that's a totally fair answer. Jessica Alvarez is there. What program do you specifically work for? And is it a program that's accessible to anybody who's got their, um, who's listening right now? You know, I actually, um, I work for a really large company, uh, uh, a health company in the state of Minnesota. Okay. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to throw them um, under the bus, but and I that's really totally fine. Yep. Um, and as of right now, I actually am kind of doing more behind the scenes work. I'm doing utilization management, and that's actually just making sure that you have the funding through your insurance company or through the county um, to pay for going to treatment. Um, is because that a I, is that a hurdle for a lot of people that go? God, I want to get sober. I can't afford to go to treatment. I can't afford Betty Ford or Hazelden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge it's a huge thing because big programs like that, you know they they're not necessarily going to take somebody who has funding through their county or yeah. through the state. Right, right. Because that's that's a big thing. So Minnesota is is actually really special and I, I I I'd say that as a as a lover of travel and there's beautiful places and places I would love to live and to to work but Minnesota is really special because we take we take sobriety we take recovery really seriously and each county um it's a little bit different now but each county has funds set aside to help pay for um treatment and detox services um for people who who can't afford it. Um, so if that's something that you're struggling with and you don't have insurance or maybe your insurance isn't super great, um, look into your county's substance abuse um, treatment options. Um, it, it's, it, they're there. So I could, literally, I could literally Google Hennepin County alcohol abuse treatment and something yeah. would come up. Okay. Yeah, and 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 you could you could call a program that you know is is by your house. Maybe you live in South Minneapolis and you know that the Park Avenue Center is just down the street from your house. Call Park Avenue Center. Ask them about the options. Tell them I don't have the money to pay for treatment and they can also direct you to where you can go. This has been such valuable information. I told you that I, 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 when I first got Jessica on the phone, I told her, I said, well, we'll talk about 15 minutes or so. But I had so many questions, and you were so wonderful to answer these questions and take time out of your day. But I think you're one of those people that loves to help other people when you can. And uh, I truly appreciate that. 
And I think two things that I'm going to take, three things I'm going to take away is uh, number one, um, if you wait a while, that urge will go away. Number two, if you blow it, you can start over again as many times as you want to. And number three is um, Google Smart Recovery or Google your local county alcohol treatment and get started doing something. Um, Jessica, God love you. Thanks so much for being on. I really appreciate it, and um, uh, I've been doing this podcast for a few years, and uh, this is, I think, the most valuable thing that we've done on this podcast, so I really appreciate what you've helped us with today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an honor to, to be a part of it and to, to try and help somebody out there who's listening who needs it. So Jessica created, since that interview, an email address. I'm going to give it to you, and uh, you can email her she will steer you in the right direction or give you some advice. And she is qualified. She is professional. She is licensed and uh, ready to help you out. So I'm going to give it to you twice so you don't have to back up. And so grab a pen if you want to do this or, or open up your, your phone, your email right now. Uh, Jessica.Alvarez, A-L-V-A-R-E-Z, Jessica.Alvarez, L-A-D-C at gmail.com. So I'll give you the whole thing again in here in a second. I don't know what LADC, licensed alcohol drug counselor, maybe Jessica dot Alvarez, A-L-V-A-R-E-Z, L-A-D-C at gmail.com. Uh, if you missed that, zip back 15 seconds on your phone. I know you know how to do that and you can get that. Uh, I am going to wrap up the podcast on something absolutely unrelated. And I think... This might be a part of my book, either my first book or the second book that I'm working on, and just how important it is to praise the people that work for you. And I'm going to just take it even a step further and say praise your spouse or praise your kids or praise your mom. God, people love praise. In my work, I don't honestly, I don't, I, I crave praise like everybody else, but the only real praise that I usually get is from people who listen to the show like you. And when people say, God, I love your show. I've been listening since third grade and now I'm, you know, 28 or now I'm 40 or whatever. And I love that. That really means so much to me. And our bosses are busy. They're busy people. They don't have time to walk around praising people probably as much as we wish they could. The other day I was talking to the big, big wigs in our company, and I hardly get to talk to them. And I'm not going to be too specific what they said because there's just reasons why I don't want to be too specific. But they were so full of praise for me. And and I really appreciated that so much. Basically, it was a coaching kind of a session where we go over what works and what doesn't work on the radio and what people want to hear and what people don't want to hear and and how people don't want to hear you talk about something for way too long and that, and that type of thing. And they basically said, Dave, you've, 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 you've got it right. You've been doing it right the whole time. And, uh, and they said, uh, they said, we want you to work for us till you're a hundred. And, uh, and it was just it was just one of those things where I felt so good about it because I believe in myself and I believe that you know that I'm talented or whatever. Um, but we're all human, and you might believe and you might know that you're really good at what you do, and you might already know that you're a good mom or you're a good kid or you're a good parent. You might already know that you're a great anesthesiologist or whatever it is that you do or a great caribou barista. You might already know that. But 
it sure feels good to hear somebody else say that. And some of us are not really good at giving praise. I'll get to be honest with you. I don't think that I'm the best at giving praise. I think that I've always, I, I grew up in a household where my dad was not one to give praise at all. And I think I kind of grew up with that. And so uh, um, I craved praise, but as I grew up, I didn't, wasn't very good at, at doing it. So I'm not going to keep belaboring this point. You get the idea. I want you to just think about who you could praise either at work Maybe send somebody a quick email right now or a text message and say, hey, just want to let you know I really appreciate you. You've done such a great job these past couple of months. Or you've done such a great job the last couple of years with the pandemic and work and and all the extra work. You've done just such a great job. And don't make it a group text. Send it to people individually. Anyway, just an idea. I thought that uh, maybe you would get something out of because that really uh, put a smile on my face over the weekend, and I really appreciated that. Hey, I appreciate you too. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, You can send emails to DaveRyan at KDWB.com. And maybe you're saying, I would love to be on the podcast and tell my story and how my story might help other people. Love to hear from you. Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Mm-hmm.